Welcome to the Getting Heaven Into People podcast. I'm Dave Ripper, a pastor here in New England, and I want to thank you for listening. After two years of the pandemic, almost all of us are hurting in some way, and so many of our churches are reeling. To address the deeply felt need Christians and churches have, I've designed this podcast to invite us to experience deeper healing and freedom over a 40-day journey as we pursue spiritual transformation together. I'm praying today's episode helps you experience greater joy, contentment, and confidence in your life and walk with God. So as you listen, may God's grace and peace be with you. Welcome to Getting Heaven in the People. I'm so glad you could join us today. I'm Dave Ripper from Crossway here in Nashua, New Hampshire, and we are on day 25 of a 40-day journey where we are praying and learning about how we might cultivate greater spiritual freedom, which is what happens when heaven gets into people. And within our series, we are focusing on how ministry overflows from our ever-deepening life with God. To get a picture of ministry from the perspective of getting heaven, heaven in the people, we've been looking at Psalm 23 and six key aspects of Psalm 23 ministry. And we'll wrap up this discussion, this conversation here today. But by way of review, we've looked at the ministry of sufficiency, that God is our shepherd and in him we lack nothing. And we can cultivate a life that lacks nothing through what Willard calls the triangle of sufficiency, growing in humility and trust and love. And as the dynamic of growing in humility, trust and love works, that we start to find a life that lacks nothing. And when we have a life that is sufficient in God, we can confidently step out in faith and trust to do what God would have us to do, to speak to whom God would have us speak, to listen in ways that are inspired and compelled by the Holy Spirit, so that as heaven gets into us, more and more people might get into heaven by the way the Lord uses our witness and our faithful presence. And the second aspect of Psalm 23, ministry is just that, presence, being present to God, present to others, so that as we are present before the Lord and others, others might be able to encounter the Lord. Thirdly, we looked at the ministry of discernment, not just being able to know what God's will is, but to do it. Then we look at the ministry of faithful resistance, this work of getting heaven in the people, of apprenticeship to Jesus, of fulfilling the Great Commission, is going to have headwinds blowing in our faces as we try to do this. And they don't just come from uh, the, the, the secular Western uh, context. They can also come from within the church and often do, just as the religious attacked Jesus. That will happen to believers as well. And so we must faithfully resist by drawing nearer and nearer to God. And last time we looked at the ministry of overflow and today we'll wrap up this kind of aspect of our podcast by looking at the ministry of soul care. The ministry of soul care. The opening lines of Psalm 23 state, The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. 
Another psalm I'd like just to put before us as we think about this idea of caring for our souls. In an earlier episode, we looked at how the soul is that integrative aspect of who we are. It integrates our thoughts, our emotions, our will, our bodies, our social aspect, bringing us to be whole people, becoming holy before God. Psalm 138 verse 3 is another important text I would recommend memorizing as a prayer as we think about this ministry of soul care. On the day I called, you answered me. You increased the strength of my soul. Let me read that once more for you. On the day I called, you answered me. You increased the strength of my soul. What's the strength of your soul like these days? If you'd like to go deeper just on that verse, I would recommend the book where I first had that uh, passage be called to my attention more deeply. And it's a book by Ruth Haley Barton that's called Strengthening the Soul of Leadership. This idea of caring for ourselves so that we might care for others first really occurred to me my first week at Denver Seminary in 2007. There's a group of us got to meet with uh, the president and... I had three presidents while I was there, and it was a very great uh, window into the different ways different kinds of people can be used by God to lead with great effectiveness. The first president was a man named Craig Williford, who's also gone on to to lead other institutions uh, quite powerfully. But he gave us a lesson that I never forgot in that first week, and he told us self-care is never a selfish act. Self-care is never a selfish act. Now, as an only child, I have been accused on multiple occasions, believe it or not, of being a little self-centered. But this was very counterintuitive to, because for me, it only seemed like if you were thinking of yourself, then you just were that selfish person. I had examples in my life of people that were very, very, very busy and did a lot of things for other people and didn't always do them from the most loving attitude, but oftentimes to do them out of maybe a sense of superiority or, or a need to be needed by others. And they're constantly caring for others at the expense of caring for themselves. And the care of others suffered because of that. But self-care, Dr. Williford said, is never a selfish act. But that hit home for a little bit. So how might you care for your soul and develop a rhythm for that? Because if you're pouring yourself out in ministry, you need to fill back up. And as we saw last time, I hope and pray, we would find such satisfaction in being filled up with Christ that our cups would overflow. About a decade or so ago, I heard Rick Warren share one of his most memorable lines to a group of pastors about soul care and self-care. He challenged us, divert daily, withdraw weekly, abandon annually to care for your soul. Divert daily, withdraw weekly, abandon annually. 
You know, divert daily could be something like daily time with God, but it could also be fun things to just fill up your soul. He would talk about wrestling with his kids, and that's something we do every single day as a family uh, with my, my kiddos. We love to rumble, and there's something that's just a great diversion about something as simple as that, to take our minds off of ministry, to be human beings and not human doings. And he says to withdraw weekly. That's built into the fabric of creation, isn't it? Sabbath, a weekly withdrawal from our normal everyday work away from our phones so we can play and pray and rest. Play, pray, and rest, I think is what Sabbath is all about. One of my mentors, a man named Kent Groff, talked about the idea of Sabbath being a time to re-soul. To be resold. Now, if our soul is that aspect that integrates all the different pieces of us, and when I think about how to spend a weekly withdrawal, a Sabbath, I often like to think through the other aspects of who I am my thoughts, emotions, will, relationships, body. How might I pour into those things well? From a thinking standpoint, I love to just read things that have nothing to do with my work. Recently, I just found great enjoyment in reading a walk. Through the Woods there by Bill Bryson walking the Appalachian Trail uh, as an older person with a really out of shape friend. And that was just fun. How about emotionally? How might we just laugh and, and position ourselves to experience the type of emotions we normally don't on a day-to-day basis? What can strengthen our will? Often for me, even on Sabbath, running is a really key practice. And sometimes I push myself longer than I normally would so that I can do things I don't want to do. Like if I want to quit running, that can actually be helpful for me to push on. And that helps care for my body in an important way. Sabbath isn't just sitting around doing nothing, at least in my opinion. It's, it's doing things that re-soul us. And then from a relational standpoint, how's your friendships these days? Are you making time intentionally to get to spend time with others in a life-giving way? I remember listening to some Boston sports radio, uh, as I often do, to kind of hear how some of the guys on the Boston Bruins who I pastor are getting just shredded by some of these commentators uh, for you know, followers and for attention, whatever. But I was listening one time when a couple of these guys... Their name's Felger and Maz. That's that's the show I was listening to if you're a Boston regional person here. And they were talking very candidly about how something changed in their friendships in their 30s. But suddenly, they felt like they barely had any friends, even another male friend. Yeah, we have people we work with. We have people that we're attached to. But do we really have genuine friendship? And I think that is one of the most neglected areas of soul care for people, especially that are doing a lot for God. And so investing in friendship is never a selfish act, but can be a life-giving, soul-filling, renewing spiritual practice. And it's not going to just happen by default got to happen with intentionality may you invest in friendship as a key way to care for your soul so divert daily withdraw weekly abandon annually
I think even between weekly and annually, I love, and we'll talk about this in an upcoming episode, but talking about retreating, getting away from a more extended period of time to care for your soul, do things that make your heart just throb with joy. For me, that is predominantly hiking and mountains. I just get lost in the wilderness and I forget about all the other worries, concerns, shots that have been fired at me. None of that matters as I just get immersed uh, with friends or family or alone out in God's creation. And then abandon annually. You got to get it on the calendar, I believe, times to intentionally spend with others, to spend with God in a more extended way. A conference, a retreat, whatever that might be, that is an indispensable practice, I believe. And then lastly, this one is a little, maybe be a little surprising, but I think sometimes to care for our souls well, We need to intentionally plan work that energizes us and that is renewing. It's easy to just default to reactive work or things I have to do. But what are some things you really want to do when it comes to work or ministry? How might you, if you have the capacity based on what your work life is like, who supervises you, etc., what might it look like to just carve out some time to do things that you want to do, if felt called to do? At a previous episode, I talked about how this podcast has kind of been an act of spiritual defiance uh, because it's been so tempting over the last couple of years to do nothing but react and respond and put out fires. And it's just been a joy for me to get to hear from so many of you who have just been blessed uh, hearing this podcast, uh, Blessed by the Work, uh, Chris and I have been doing to produce it and share it. And it's been something I have wanted to do literally for years. And finally doing it has been so renewing for me. So what is something that you have been wanting to do? Maybe it's writing. Maybe it's uh, starting something. Maybe it is gathering people. Maybe it is a new ministry. I believe doing something like that can be energizing and soul-filling when we do it from a place of being loved by God, not for his love. And so may you know self-care is never a selfish act. As you minister May you also allow God to minister to you. As you try to love others compassionately, may you love yourself correctly, which involves caring for your soul. So may God this day be your shepherd, and may he restore your soul. We look forward to seeing you in our next episode and being with you. And so may you minister like a Psalm 23 shepherd so that God's kingdom would come and his will would be done and heaven would get in the people so many more people would get into heaven. We'll see you next time, friends.